Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, I'm Tara Saraban, and you're listening to World's Dumbest Criminals. If you're keen to hear about the most ridiculous, bizarre, and downright stupid criminals and crime stories in the world ever, you've come to the right place. In today's episode, you'll be hearing about an IT worker who groped and ejaculated on women minding their own business in Melbourne. But hey, don't worry, apparently he just didn't realise that was frowned upon. Alrighty, let's get cracking. This case takes place in Melbourne, Australia, which is where I live. This year, the Economist Intelligent Unit's Global Livability Index found Melbourne to be the third most livable city in the world, behind Vienna and Copenhagen. But it's certainly no thanks to this guy. Though, if there were a national public wanking championship, he'd no doubt be bringing home some medals. Muhammad Khan grew up in Pakistan and migrated to Australia in 2009 when he was in his 20s. He later told the court that he found social adjustments difficult when he moved here. He seemed particularly confused about the social norms of whether or not to jizz on women in public. I'm not sure why he thought there was some kind of grey area there. It's not like everyone else is doing it. Look around, buddy. Read the room. Do the other guys have their pants done up and their penises out of sight? Well, there's your answer. Court documents state that Khan targeted his first victim in February 2015, which is six years after he arrived here. So he's either telling Porky Pies about his difficult cultural adjustment on the topic of public wanking, or she is not, in fact, his first victim. I mean, who has six years of adjusting socially and then decides that it's probably cool to treat women as semen receptacles? Nobody. On February 8th, 2015, a poor unsuspecting woman went to the St Kilda Festival with her sister. It's a weekend musical festival held by the sea in summer and it pulls a huge crowd. The woman and her sister were innocently enjoying the performances when she felt something warm and wet on her back. When she turned around, she saw wanky Mick cultural differences doing up his pants. It was then that she came to the disgusting realisation that he'd been jerking off in the crowd and ejaculated onto her. It seems she was somehow able to be super rational about what had just happened and went to find security. See, I just don't know that I could be so cool-headed about such a thing. A random dude who was having a loud argument with himself once spat on me for no reason while I was walking down the street. I cussed him out so hard. Then he squared up on me like he was going to attack. But once he realised I had several inches on him, he fucked off. 
which is coincidentally what I had told him to do, although the language was more colourful than just that. I'm actually pretty sure I use some swear words that have yet to be invented. In hindsight, I decided that it would have been smarter not to respond so aggressively, because who knows what that spitty little fucker was capable of. Like, maybe he had a knife on him or something. But look, I certainly wasn't thinking like that at the time. The super rational, unsuspecting receiver of this cumstain's cumstain went to report the incident to festival security. She ended up giving her shirt to the police for forensic testing. Through a victim impact statement, she later told the court that the assault had caused her to feel a lot of shame, which sucks because the only person who should be feeling shame about this is Khan. But the social conditioning assault victims have to feel ashamed of themselves for what was done to them is just off the charts. That's why assaults of a sexual nature are so underreported and why I believe that Khan has likely committed more of them than there are on record. Not that there aren't a lot on record, by the way. On February 8th, 2017, another woman was minding her own goddamn business on a busy tram. She was travelling from Flinders Street Station to the Royal Melbourne Hospital when Khan touched her leg and ejaculated onto her dress. It was broad daylight and she was on her way to a hospital, which is not a fun place to go at the best of times. It's also not a sexy place, but neither is a busy tram. This woman also went to the police and gave them her clothing for DNA testing. On March 4th, 2018, another woman was watching a busker at the Brunswick Festival when Khan struck again. Brunswick Festival is very family-friendly, and the busker was playing violin with her baby strapped to her back. So being sexually assaulted in the crowd probably wasn't forefront on the unsuspecting victim's mind. While she was watching this mother and child perform, she felt something wet on her backside. She said her first reaction was to assume that someone had tripped over and spilled their lemon sorbet on her, which is a beautifully wholesome thought to have had. She said the horrified look from her friends and others around her was enough to help her realise that that was not what had happened. She stated, Amongst all the horrified faces, one face stood out. I saw one man staring at me with a smile on his face. Oh, I bet it was the most punchable smile she'd ever seen. She went on to say, I felt small, helpless, victimised, bullied and embarrassed. Still, she reported the incident to the police and gave them her clothes to be DNA tested. This guy should be forced to reimburse these women for the clothing that they were wearing when he pumped his sperm all over them and the therapy they needed afterwards. But no, the justice system is sadly often more focused on what is better for the perpetrator than what's best for the victim. By 2019, Khan was 39 years old and married with two kids that I really freaking hope are not girls. On October 19th, he went to the Carlton Club in Melbourne CBD to disgust and violate more women. I used to go to the Carlton Club all the time when I worked in the city. It's not a hub of sexual assault and dick-out action, but hey, that didn't stop Khan from groping a woman and doing the whole creepy running-his-finger-up-her-legs thing that he did to the woman on the tram. He was also accused of rubbing his exposed penis onto the butt of another woman and grabbing the bum of yet another. Well, didn't he have a busy night? 
All of these assaults were captured on CCTV. Khan was detained by security and the police were called. Of course, he tried to minimise his actions. He told the police that all he did was tap a woman on the waist and said, the problem is getting the attention in the first place. I guess rubbing your exposed penis on women is an effective way to get their attention, but is shock and disgust really what you're going for, champ? And why do you want their attention anyway? Newsflash, you're married. The police took a DNA sample of him, which matched the evidence from the three earlier reported incidents. When the cops asked him to explain how his sperm came to be on the women, Khan told them, I don't know how to answer that question. It surprises me. Does he know nothing about forensics? Gee, I'm so surprised that the semen I pumped onto those women matched my DNA. How is that possible? Oh, maybe it's a witch hunt. In court, Khan's lawyer, Amelia Beach, leaned into the whoops-a-daisy cultural differences angle hard. She said that he grew up with three sisters but did not interact with other women until he went to university in Pakistan and that that was only fleeting contact. Oh dear, those poor sisters. I hope they were older and bigger than him and naturally gifted at Brazilian jiu-jitsu. His defence stated, Life in Australia was very different to life in Pakistan. His relationship with women was difficult. He found it overwhelming and had some difficulty adjusting. Khan told a forensic psychologist that his closeness to women on the tram and at music festivals had triggered a state of arousal which had led him to masturbate. The forensic psychologist apparently stated that the arousal he experienced had been so intense that he had not been able to delay acting on it until he had moved to a private location. Like fuck it was. How do all the other guys manage? Sounds like this forensic psychologist got their qualifications from the bottom of a cereal box. Khan's defence claiming that his sexual predator behaviour was due to him being born in Pakistan infers that any man from Pakistan will be unable to control themselves and will sexually assault women. Which is a massive insult to the hundreds of thousands of Pakistan-born people living here who do not go around sexually assaulting anyone. His defence also tried to sell Khan as a good family man who had a strong relationship with his wife of eight years. She described her husband as a man of high moral standards, strong values and decency. (laughs) Well, yeah, obviously. Khan's lawyer said that he was now dedicated to bettering himself, which kind of sounds like a euphemism for jerking off. She also admitted that he lacked insight into the reasons behind his offending and the impact his crimes had had on his victims. When your lawyer, the person who is not only drinking your Kool-Aid but also trying to sell it to a judge, admits that you don't get the effect your sexual assaults have on victims, well, that's really saying something. Here's an educational idea. Let's have random dudes come up and jizz on Khan while he's out minding his own business in public and see if it makes more sense to him then. His lawyer went on to say, He takes these charges extremely seriously. They've had an enormous impact on him. Oh, poor diddums. 
violating women and making them feel unsafe in public has had an enormous impact on him. Won't somebody please think of the sexual predators? Khan had been employed as an intelligence analyst with a Victorian trade school, but lost that job in October 2019 after being charged because he was unable to pass the working with children check. Yeah, jizzing on people in public will negatively affect that, for some reason. Duke out McJizzface had also been sacked from his high-paying job at financial services company A.B. Phillips after his sex crimes were reported in the media. I'm not buying any inference that he's been punished enough for his offending because his employers sacked him. That's not punishment. That's simply the consequences of his actions. His lawyer had the audacity to request that Khan avoid conviction for his offending and not be registered as a sex offender because it might affect his future employment. The way I look at it is, if you don't want to be on the sex offender registry, then you shouldn't act like a sex offender. And don't any future employers of his deserve to know the kind of person they're hiring? Would you really want him working around the women in your company when he clearly thinks they exist solely for him to grope and nut on? Magistrate Tara Hartnett said that Khan's wife's description of him being a man of high moral standards, strong values and decency was somewhat at odds with the offending that he committed. Where did she get the somewhat from? It is completely at odds. Magistrate Hartnett went on to say, It was despicable conduct by you and purely for your own gratification. This offending was bold and it was brazen. There is simply no excuse for your behaviour. You were not known to any of them and you ejaculated on three of them. Uh, would it really have been better if he knew them? I don't see how. Khan pleaded guilty to three sexual assault charges and another charge of indecent assault. The prosecutors in the case argued that the seriousness of Khan's offending justified a conviction and that coveted spot on the sex offenders register. But the magistrate did not agree. She instead gave him a two-year community-based order with a conviction, 250 hours of unpaid work, and said that he must undergo a program to reduce the risk of reoffending. You will note that he does not have to pay the victims for the clothes he jizzed on that they then had to give to the police to be DNA tested. He's clearly suffered enough. Of the verdict, Magistrate Hartnett said, If you had any sort of prior history for this sort of conduct, I would have no hesitation imposing a lengthy jail sentence for you to serve immediately. But he more than likely does have a prior history of this sort of conduct, just not an official one. One of the women on the receiving end of his disgusting attacks said in a victim impact statement, Any person who does not make other people feel safe is not someone who should be on our streets. And I wholeheartedly agree with her. So yeah, come to Melbourne, the world's third most livable city. Although ejaculating on women and rubbing your exposed penis on them is frowned upon, we'll allow it, so long as you don't comprehend the impact it has on your victims. 
Oh, man. It's just so disappointing that the magistrate won't give him jail time or put him on the sex offender register because she bought his whoops-a-daisy, I thought you guys were cool with me jizzing on and groping women excuse hook, line, and sinker. Which raises the question, how many women do you need to jizz on or grope in public to get a jail sentence or be put on the register? Obviously, it's more than four. Is it five? Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When we think of Australia during the early 1930s, iconic images immediately spring to mind. Poor people doing it tough. The legends of Bodyline and Farlap, the threat of the new guard and the opening of the Sydney Harbour Bridge. But it's a forgotten photo that takes us into a hidden history from this time. Detective Sergeant Tom McRae leads the men of the murder squad through the streets of Sydney on a Saturday morning. They've just arrested and charged a killer known as the Park Demon. But while he's behind bars, there are so many other maniacs out there, one newspaper says that New South Wales is experiencing the murder wave. The Bunnendore Bones, the Hammer Horror, the Human Glove and the Pyjama Girl. These were just some of the cases that had the politicians, the press and the public screaming for justice and for vengeance. In my new book, The Murder Squad, I've explored how Australia's toughest cops solved and sometimes didn't solve horrific crimes during the darkest days of the Great Depression. It's a fascinating deep dive and I'm delighted to share it with you because so many mysteries remain. Who was guilty? Who was innocent? Who got away with murder? And how far would the cops go when hunting monsters? To finish up, I have a few punchline crimes for you. These are short cases that sound more like jokes than something that actually happened. I'm doing a special punchline crime segment today so that I can play you some of the most absurd 911 calls I've ever heard. At 4.20am on November 10th, 2013, a man called 911 and asked the police to remove a woman from his bed because she was snoring too loudly. The man from Waukesha, Wisconsin, who the police said sounded intoxicated, initially told the dispatcher that he wasn't sure how the woman got into his apartment. But it turned out not to be a Goldilocks-type situation, as he later said that he'd let the woman in and talked with her before she got in his bed, fell asleep, and began snoring like a train. The man then changed his story yet again to say that he and the woman had been drinking together, had relations, and she fell asleep. 
He said that when he couldn't wake her up, he decided to call the police. Let's have a listen to the call. I was wondering if you could send an officer over to my place to uh, have somebody physically removed. Who do you want removed? Um, just a girl. She's sleeping in my bed. She's in your bed right now? She's just snoring away like a train. Is that her snoring that I'm hearing? Yeah, she's snoring like a train. It's like I'm trying to wake her up and she won't wake up. And she's snoring like a train? Snoring like a train. Did you bring her home with you? Well, I assume so. Okay, have you both been drinking tonight? Well, I have. Okay. Officers were eventually able to wake the woman up. She explained to them that she had sleep apnea and said that that's why she'd been snoring. The cops gave her a clean bill of health and told the man that this was not a police matter, but he didn't end up facing any charges for it, unlike the other people you'll be hearing about. In February 2011, 21-year-old Minnesota resident Robert Michelson called 911 in the hopes of obtaining some free legal advice. During the call, he asked how much trouble he'd get into for growing a marijuana plant. Let's check out his call. 911, what's the location of your emergency? Uh, Let's not get into that yet. I have a question. Is this an emergency, sir? Depends. Is it life-threatening or an act of crime in progress? Crime in progress, possibly. I was just growing some marijuana. I was just wondering what, uh, how much, you know, trouble you can get into for one plant. You're growing marijuana and you want to know how much, depends on how big the plant is. It's only a seedling. No, it's possession. Okay. You can get pinched for a roach in a car. Okay. All right. Thanks for the info. You're welcome. Now, Robert may not be the sharpest tool in the shed. The police were able to trace the call back to his address. Narcotics officers then went to the house and discovered that he was indeed growing marijuana there. Robert told the officers that he'd spent a lot of money online buying everything that he needed to grow marijuana, including the seeds. Interesting little point, because of course you're going to need seeds. The cops seized a small amount of marijuana and drug paraphernalia from the residents. Robert was charged with possession of drug paraphernalia, possession of less than four ounces of weed, and illegal cultivation of marijuana. He was later released on $5,000 bond. Officer Marshall Porter told News 8 that Robert said not only did he grow the marijuana to annoy his mother, but before he left the police station, Robert had a little parting message for the 911 staff. He spun around and uh, stuck both middle fingers up at the dispatchers. In July 2015, a 44-year-old woman ordered some food from the Main Moon Chinese restaurant in Alliance, Ohio, that was not to her liking. She promptly called 911 on the spot, hoping that they'd spring into action and restore justice to the world. 
Let's hear the call. Alliance Police and Fire, where's your emergency? At Main Moon in College Plaza. What's the problem? I have bought some Chinese food, and it's not to par to me, and I asked to get my money back, and they acting like they don't understand me and took my food and won't give me my money back. What's your name? Tracy McLeod. And this is why you called 911? Um, what am I supposed to do, jump over the thing and beat them up and get my no, money back? You could have called the regular police line instead of the life-threatening emergency line. I will oh, well, they transferred me. Wait a minute. They transferred me to you. someone to you. After the cops determined that she had no real emergency, the woman was arrested. She was later found guilty of knowingly abusing 911. The judge originally gave her a $250 fine and sentenced her to 30 days in jail, but she only had to serve three days, provided that she maintained good behaviour for a year. I guess if she'd wanted a lighter sentence, she should have just come to Melbourne, jizzed on a few women, groped a few of them, and, well, rubbed her exposed genitals on them too. Apparently, we're okay with that here. This brings me to the end of the episode. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe if you want to stay up to date with all future episodes. And if you dug what you heard, please leave a review. If you'd like to support this independent podcast, head on over to patreon.com forward slash world's dumbest criminals. All levels get access to monthly bonus episodes and ad-free episodes, and higher levels also receive a sleep apnea mask and some really good Chinese food. Thank you to Erin Harvey for coming on board as a patron recently. I really appreciate your support. If you're up for more dumb criminals action in your life, you can follow me on Instagram at World's Dumbest Criminals Podcast or Twitter at WD Criminals Pod. Or you could join our World's Dumbest Criminals Podcast Facebook group. And thank you to the laudable Lorraine Ledwell for running the group with me. If you're a fan of highly researched, well-written true crime books, make sure you check out my friend Michael Adams' new book, The Murder Squad. It's about how Australia's toughest cops hunted the monsters of the Great Depression and covers grisly cases including the Hammer Horror, the Bungendore Bones, the Park Demon, the Human Glove and the Pyjama Girl. It's a great read and it's available online and on Audible. Till next time, look after yourself, stay out of trouble and whatever you do, Don't commit a crime that makes you end up on this podcast. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.